Hello friends, Tom here. From wherever you are tuning in, I wanna welcome you. We are jumping back into our series today entitled Jesus Is, where we've been exploring the incredible gospel uh, according to John, the apostle, Jesus' closest friend on the earth, his eyewitness account of the life, the death, the resurrection, the ministry of Jesus, God in the flesh. And uh, this is now gonna be the 46th message in this series. I'm really excited about it. Now, uh, here's the thing. <clears throat> We've talked about this each week in this series, but I just want to put it in front of you again. The things that we believe about Jesus are really important, okay? So all throughout this series, we've been exploring all these different facets about all the amazing things that Jesus is, hence the title of the series, Jesus Is, right? And I, I want you to kind of just envision like a precious, a precious gemstone, um, multi-faceted, all these different sides, right? Like that's kind of a, a depiction of the beauty and the glory of God. There's all these amazing facets and we want to learn and discover as much as we possibly can about each of these uh, specific aspects, these specific vantage points of all the beauty and glory that is Jesus Christ. So that's what we're doing. That's our heartbeat behind all this. Um, now today's passage, if I'm honest, it is, honestly, it's one of my all-time favorite passages in all of scripture, okay? I love the passage that we're going to go through today. It's only eight verses, but man, is it rich. It's incredible. There's so much here in these eight verses. Uh, and that being said, uh, we're not even going to come close to mining all the gold that's here, okay? But I'm confident that the stuff that we are going to cover today will be a blessing to you, okay? So let's jump in. If you have a, grab, if you have a, a Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're going to be in John chapter 15. Uh, before I, I start reading the scripture, I just want to pray for our time, okay? So will you join me in prayer? Uh, Father, I just want to thank you right now for time to explore uh, the goodness, the beauty, the glory of Jesus in and through your word. Um, and God, like we just know that you are with us in this moment, and I just want to invite more of your presence. More of your presence. I ask you to minimize distraction right now. Um, for every single person that's tuning into this, for myself, would you, would you show us the beauty and glory of Jesus, Holy Spirit? And Father, would you reinforce um, your deep and profound love for us as your children? Thank you for grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Be with us now, please. Amen. Okay, so John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll chat a little bit, but... As I'm reading this, I'm going to kind of read it a little slow because what I want you to do is I want you to picture the imagery here. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, vines and branches and fruit. This will be a familiar story to many of you, but those of us that live in Temecula and the Temecula Valley, we have the wineries and all that kind of stuff. I want you to pick up on the imagery here. Um, if you need to close your eyes to focus, do that. I think it might be helpful, but I want you to pick up on the imagery that Jesus is using here because I think it will be, will be helpful to you, okay? So, John chapter 15, starting here in verse 1. All of this is the words of Jesus. He says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, remain in me and I in you. 
Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Okay, for our time today, I want to focus in on three things that we see from this passage. Okay, the first one is this. Jesus is the true vine. All right, if you notice this passage, it starts with Jesus claiming to be the vine, the, the true vine. What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the, tr- the vine, the true vine? You see, the disciples that would have heard Jesus speaking here, that's recorded in the Gospel of John, the disciples that would have heard him speaking, they would have known exactly what he meant, okay? You see, throughout the Old Testament, the times prior to the New Covenant, the times prior to Jesus, the people of God, the Jews, the Israelites that were that were, um, that were the, like I said, the people of God, they, they would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about because in that time, throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Jews, they were depicted as God's vineyard, okay? In Isaiah chapter 5, I want, to, I want you to check out some of these verses I'm going to read to you, okay? I'm going to read to you uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. See if this sounds anything like the passage that we just read in John 15, okay? Check this out. This is God speaking. Isaiah chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I will sing about the one I love, a song about my loved one's vineyard. The one I love had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He broke up the soil, cleared it of stones, and planted it with the finest vines. He built a tower in the middle of it and even dug out a wine press there. He expected it to yield good grapes, but it yielded worthless grapes. So now, residents of Jerusalem... And men of Judah, please judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did? Remember, this is the words of God, okay? Why, when I expected a yield of good grapes, did it yield worthless grapes? Now I tell you what what I'm about to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be consumed. I will tear down its wall, and it will be trampled. I I will make it a wasteland. It will not be pruned or weeded. Thorns and briars will grow up. I will also give orders to the clouds that rain should not fall on on it. Listen to this, verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, the plant he delighted in. He expected justice, but saw injustice. Injustice. He expected righteousness, but heard cries of despair. Are you able to see any parallels here in Isaiah chapter 5 with the passage that we just read in John chapter 15? What happens here, or what's happening here in Isaiah chapter 5, is God's depicting the Israelites as the vineyard that didn't produce the good fruit that God desired. So, What Jesus is doing in John chapter 15 is he's comparing the worthless fruit of the Israelites with the good fruit of those in him. Okay, so 
this begs a question. This begs the question, is Jesus saying that like nobody in the Old Testament times bore good fruit for God? No, that's not what he's saying at all. Okay? In fact, if you, if you read in Genesis chapter 49, it describes Joseph as, as a fruitful vine. Okay? So what is Jesus getting out here? What's he talking about? William Barclay, Bible uh, theologian, says this, quote, It's as if Jesus is saying... You think that because you belong to the nation of Israel, you are a branch of the true vine of God. But the nation is a degenerate vine, as all your prophets saw. It is I who am the true vine. The fact that you are Jews will not save you. The only thing that can save you is to have an intimate living fellowship with me. For I am the vine of God and you must be branches joined to me. He continues, he says, Jesus was laying it down that not Jewish blood, but faith in him was the way to God's salvation. No external qualification can set us right with God. Only the friendship of Jesus Christ can do that, end quote. So, no external qualification can make a person right with God. Only closeness, only, only close relationship with Jesus can do that. See, friends, the Jews at this time, they believed that it was their biology that made them right with God. Okay, it was, it, they, they were like, we're descendants from Abraham. Okay, well, of course we're right with God. And Jesus says, no. He says, he says, he's the true vine. What makes a person right with God in the Old Testament is the same that makes a person right in the New Testament. It's trusting in God. It's, it's having a close, intimate, personal relationship with him. Now, the summer before my senior year in high school, <clears throat> I had my first real like job interview. Okay, I was uh, <clears throat> I applied for uh, employment at a local pizza restaurant, and uh, I got a call back that they were interested in having me come down for a job interview. Right, and <clears throat> as I applied, you know, I also kind of filled out like a resume and the whole thing, you know. And uh, for those of you guys that know uh, Brandon and Jill. Valdez, uh, they were actually the managers of this, of this pizza restaurant. So like I said, I wrote up a resume, you know, I did the whole thing. I filled it in with as many good things about myself as I could possibly think of. So like I, I, I you know, I, not just my name and my birthday and stuff, but like I listed all of my like accomplishments, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a three sport varsity athlete in, in high school. I have a great GPA. I'm, I'm the senior class vice president. All these things, anything I could think of that would qualify me for the position of working at the pizza restaurant, you know? So I, I sit down with Brandon and Jill for this interview. And I remember during the interview, you know, we're discussing the things that were on my resume. And after the interview, they hired me. I don't know what they were thinking, but they hired me. They must have saw something on that resume that, 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 that led them to believe I would be a good fit. Now listen, far too many people approach God in the same way that I approached that job interview. Here's my resume. Check out my qualifications, right? Like I'm a good person. I'm, I'm not as bad as other people. I, I go to church or I read my Bible or I pray or my, my parents are Christians or, you know, I, like I voted for fill in the blank. Uh, I, I do these good things. I don't do these bad things. Friends, what is it for you? What's on your resume? 
You see, for many of the Jews in this time, it was their biology, their ethnicity that was on their resume. We're descendants of Abraham. We are the Israelites, man. We're God's vineyard. And Jesus says, actually, no. I'm the true vine. Friends, you need to know, the only thing that qualifies a person, the only thing that makes a person right with God is a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. It's being connected to him deeply, intimately, personally. Jesus is the true vine. Now, the second thing that I want to draw your attention to that we see from this passage is this. True disciples produce fruit. Okay, look back at verse uh, 2 here with me. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And then skip ahead to verse 8. My father, again, he used the father as like the, the gardener, right, in this imagery. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Okay, strong language here from Jesus. Jesus is super clear. True disciples produce much fruit. Okay, this implies something. This implies that there are some who claim to be disciples yet they do not produce fruit. Now, what Jesus is doing here is he's contrasting two different branches, okay? He's he's contrasting branches that produce and branches that consume, okay? Now, I want to be clear really quickly. Both of these branches that Jesus is contrasting here, branches that produce and branches that consume, both of these branches, they receive from the vine, man. They definitely receive. Receiving is not a bad thing. But consumers are different. Consumers only take. They only take. It's a one-sided relationship. Okay? So these are people who who describe themselves as disciples, and yet they approach God, the vine, and his church, fellow branches, selfishly. Okay, so, so it's not what can I give, but rather what can I get. Roger Frederick, Fredrickson says this, quote, In John chapter 15, the gardener also prunes those sprouts and leaves which would hinder the other branches from bearing fruit in, in any way. Generally, in the month of August, the little shoots would take life from the vine, or sorry, the little shoots that would take life from the vine would be pinched off. Listen to this. The fruit-bearing branches must get all the nourishment. Okay, so, so, so the point is this. There are branches that all they do is consume. And in the process, they hinder the growth of the other branches. Now, I've seen this happen as a pastor far too many times, okay, countless times. And what happens is people will approach God and his church as a consumer. Like, I like this church for the worship. I like that church for the preaching. I like that church for the kids' ministry. It's It's all about them. And friends, we wonder why so many people don't understand that the church isn't a business or an event. Maybe it's because so many people treat her like she's a product to be consumed. 
Friends, the church is not a product to be consumed. She's Jesus' bride. Now, consider us as a church, Restored Temecula. Uh, consumers can easily be drawn to our community, okay? And what I mean by community, I mean you. Like, they can be drawn to you. Our community, our church, our family, you guys are amazing. Like, wonderful, incredible, loving, sacrificial, generous people. Being a part of this community has so many benefits, man. But according to Jesus, it's only a matter of time until consumers are removed. Because their connection to Jesus has very little to do with loving God and loving other people. and has everything to do with consuming. Not what can I give, what can I get. And Jesus says that branches that don't produce fruit, I remove them, he says, because they aren't true disciples. And they hinder the growth of others in the process. Jesus says a, a, a true disciple is proven not by being around other branches, not by being around other people who are connected to Jesus, but by producing good spiritual fruit. Okay? So listen to me. If you find yourself in a season where your focus is on consuming, it's dangerous. Okay? Jesus removed those branches. Now, it's important to note that it's equally dangerous when your focus is on producing. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Hook? It's this movie from the 90s, Robin Williams, right? It's, uh, it was one of my, honestly, it was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. I hadn't seen it in like 20 years. And the other night I watched it with my kids and my wife and uh, we really enjoyed it. It was great. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's this kind of extension of the Peter Pan story, you know, which is all, it's fun. It's it's this extension of the Peter Pan story where Peter Pan kind of, you know, goes back to, I guess, planet Earth from Never Never Land, and he grows up, right? And he forgets who he is, and then he learns that he is Peter Pan and ventures back to Neverland to, to, to save and rescue his kids that Captain Hook took and just, yeah, either way. Peter Pan doesn't know he's Peter Pan, and he has to kind of relearn how to be Peter Pan. And in the process, he has to relearn how to fly. Okay, so there's this scene in the movie, I don't know if, you, if you've seen it, you'll remember it, but... There's a scene in the movie where he's like trying to fly. He's like jumping off of like rocks and kind of different higher areas, just trying to fly. And he's like, I can, I can, I can, I can. And he's, he's trying to muster up all of his strength to try to fly. And what happens is he keeps falling. He doesn't actually fly. And then Tinkerbell, if you remember, she tells him, Peter, think happy thoughts. And he's, he's, he's trying really hard to fly, and it didn't get him anywhere, okay? But when he thinks happy thoughts, he begins to fly. Flying is the outcome, not of trying to fly, but of thinking happy thoughts, okay? In the same way, producing spiritual fruit is the outcome, not of trying to produce, but of remaining in Jesus, Remember in verse 5, Jesus says, you can do nothing without me. But the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Okay? Hear me say this. Producing fruit, like we read about here, is not the outcome of trying to produce. It's the outcome of remaining in Jesus. So, 
This begs the question, and as my final point today, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? Okay, we, we, we know from the passage that the outcome of remaining in Jesus is this glorious, amazing fruit. And that, that, that not remaining in Jesus has some disastrous consequences. But what does it mean to remain in Jesus? Look back at verse 4 again. It says this, remain in me and I in you. It's two things. Okay, it's both. It's remaining in him and having him remain in you. Both of those. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So, what is Jesus saying? What is he saying when he says, remain in me and I in you? D.A. Carson says this quote, Regarding this passage says, this command, the command to remain in me and I in you, this command implies that believers are already organically connected to Jesus and are responsible to maintain that vital connection. So Jesus says remain. That, that, that means that there's already a connection established. Okay, so the command is to maintain a deep, intimate connection to him. Now, one could make the argument that the most intimate relationship that modern people have, even Christians, is not with God. It's not with a family member or a close friend. It's not even with another person. Okay, one could easily make the case that the most intimate relationship that modern people have is with their phones. Some of you might be watching this on a phone right now or listening to this on a phone right now. Our phones, they go everywhere with us, man. Okay, our phones are in our pockets, they're in our purses, they're by our beds, they're in our cars. Listen, we even take them with us to the bathroom. Okay, we, we've, we've integrated our phones into every single area of our lives. Okay, we check our feed when we're waiting for anything, okay? If you're waiting in line at the store or you're waiting at a stoplight, like you name it, whatever you're doing, if you're waiting, you are scrolling. We've even integrated our phones into mealtime, okay? It's like before we eat, we gotta snap that pic, you know? Post that puppy. Like we even, we even scroll while we're chewing. We've integrated our phones into every single area of our lives. And listen, we spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money to maintain that connection, don't we? I just saw the new iPhones come out. They're like $1,000. That's, that's a lot of money, okay? Jesus says, the way you live your life with your phone, you know, the way you're fully, you've, you've, you've fully integrated it into every area of your life, yeah, do that with me. Remain in me, Jesus says. Stay connected to me. Friends, did you know, like there are a plethora of studies out there that prove, you know, smartphones, that along with the smartphones, along with the, the applications that are on them, they contribute directly to a massive increase in stress, in, in depression, in anxiety, and even suicide. How's that for fruit, huh? 
Listen, remaining in Jesus, it means living a life of intimate connection with him where he's fully integrated into every single area of your life, kind of like your phone. So listen, I'll close with this, okay? I want you to see the beauty of what Jesus is saying here. He says he is the true vine. This is the only thing that makes a person right with God is ongoing connection with him and nothing else. You can't earn it. It's a gift. He says if you have an ongoing connection with him, if you live a life where Jesus is fully integrated into every area of your life, you will produce fruit instead of being a consumer because true disciples produce fruit. So listen, I want you to see Jesus' invitation. This invitation changed my life, man. Like, God Almighty inviting me, a sinner who has sinned against him and rejected him and rebelled against him, he invites me to be connected to him in an intimate, personal, ongoing way? Like, to, 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 to know him and to be known by him and, and to be loved by him and to love him in return. And that he made that reconciliation, that connection, the deep relationship, he made that possible by living the life that I never could in my place and dying the death I deserve on the cross to pay the debt of my sin, to reunite us so I could be close to him and connected to him in intimate, ongoing ways. That he would invite me to do that is ridiculous. And not just me, but you. And you're just as messed up as I am. It's beautiful. It changed my life. And it can change your life too. Even if you've been a Christian for 20 years. It's the transforming power of the grace of God, the invitation of Jesus. It's this Jesus' invitation. Friends, it's to live a spectacular life, man. Of witnessing the fruit of heaven coming to earth. How? Through you. And through me. Don't you want to produce that kind of fruit? Listen, Jesus is the true vine. He's the true vine. Connection to him results in heaven coming to earth through his disciples. I'll leave you with the words of Jesus. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Listen to the promise. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us by telling us the truth. You don't pretend, you don't fake things, you don't gloss over things. You are relentless in your pursuit of our heart. So, Father, we open ourselves up to you. We want to be people who produce spiritual fruit, good spiritual fruit. We can't, we can't conjure that up on ourselves. So let us not be people who, who give in to, to, who are deceived into trying to like focus on producing something we can't produce in it of ourselves. But help us to be people who put our focus on remaining connected to you, of integrating you into every single area of our lives, 
who enjoy you and love you by obeying you and receive love from you that would empower us to live a spectacular life where the fruit of heaven is on display through our lives. I want you to do that, Lord, please. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So friends, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to, I'm going to hand things over to the band, and I want to encourage you. Enjoy Jesus, his consistent invitation, despite your sin even, to remain in him, to abide in him, to make your home in him, to have intimate connection with him. And then if we place our focus there, if our focus is unwavering on our, on our relationship with him, on enjoying him and obeying him and receiving love from him and, and expressing that love back to him, he says spectacular things will be the result. So why don't you take a moment, wherever you are, and press into Jesus. Connect with him on a deeper level. One of the ways that you can do that is praise. So I invite you to do that now. Grace and peace to you.